On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. Hey, my buddy. Our buddy, I should say, Thomas Mooney, New Sling, uh, lined us up with all our new bumper music that a lot of people compliment the show on. You know, he tweeted today, or it might have been yesterday, everybody loves an outlaw until the outlaw begins to act out. I'm uh, your outlaw, Jay West, Texas Leeson, acting out here on the airwaves where Buddy Holly became famous AM 580 Lubbock is where this is originally broadcasting from, and we are in the studios that made Buddy Holly famous, Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around. Find your best destination there of the five at racerwash.com. It is Tuesday. January 29, and it is a bone-numbing 45 degrees outside. My brother lives in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, he sent me the forecast this morning, about negative 3 degrees in Madison right now, negative 3, and that's without wind chill. I don't know how much the wind blows up there. I'm sure it does off the Great Lakes, um, but negative 3 up there in the polar vortex and uh you know that's why i live in texas little brother hope that doesn't sound anecdotal but uh it's the truth but still cold really cold uh gonna stay in this for the next day or so i believe uh coming up on big show for you poncho navarez out of eagle pass he's a state representative who's got plenty to say he is the new chair of homeland security and public safety in the texas house uh here poncho navarra is talking about homeland uh homeland security concerns on the texas front and here's the twist poncho navarra lives on the border i think his backyard i'll ask him here in a minute but i recall his backyard is some 20 or 30 feet from the rio grande uh, we'll get in with Poncho Navarro's and then uh, one of our favorites, Wes Rappaport Reports, coming up. What I love about Wes is he's an up-and-coming Texas reporter. He's covering the Capitol. Uh, he sees things from a news a newsman's standpoint, and uh, good to have Wes come on. Spent some time in Lubbock and still supplies uh, stories uh, with uh, everythinglubbock.com, KMAC 28, KLBK 13 locally. Folks, I love a good challenge. And there have been a few times over the course of this program, which turns a year old here on February 5, uh, that I've seen a good challenge and taken it up. And one of those was, well, there have been a few. I had somebody say the other day, I'm surprised you hadn't been shot yet. Um, and I, I get that from time to time. But I remember when 
all of the Bob Duncan firing went down in Regent Gate, what we termed and coined on this program Regent Gate, began to get fired up. There was a well-known local politician uh, who said, we'll never know what happened. We'll never know what happened. We'll never know why. Uh, It's politics. Well, we got everything but a confession on what happened um, as we covered that story. And whenever I hear a local politician wring their hands and say, well, we'll never know, uh, yeah, that's the equivalent of uh, hold my beer and uh, watch this. And in my life, I'm taking on a new challenge. Uh, gonna, I've mentioned it before. The beginning of the month uh, went down, well, in the latter part of December, I applied myself and made my main focus uh, a real estate exam and went in the first week, yeah, the first week of January, because I remember we had uh, County Judge Curtis Parrish on uh, the day that I took the exam, and my mind was just really flustered at the time, and um, I took the exam, passed it the first time. And I can tell you that as of yesterday, I've taken up a, I'm a part of the McDougal Realtors team. We'll focus in commercial real estate, which seemed to me to be the biggest challenge. And uh, my wife does really well on the residential end. I want to learn the commercial end. And that's going to be a daunting thing thoughts and prayers for me as I roll along in that and uh, I'll just throw the pitch out now shamelessly because it's a microphone that I hold Uh, you think I shoot you straight on the program Uh, you think that we do you right on the program going to begin to do you right if you're listening you need office space Uh, you're looking for a new outpost to put your small business in Uh, give me give me a call Uh, you can also reach me by email jay dot l e e s o n at mcdougal dot com. Uh, just keep me in mind for all your commercial real estate needs and even your um, residential. I can help you out on that front as well. Uh, just wanted to pass that along. That's a new endeavor. There are things that happen besides this microphone in my day to day life, and uh, just in case you didn't know. Uh, though I do really enjoy this microphone and my time with you. So, if you didn't think Amarillo could get any cooler, get this. The Trump administration begins production of a new nuclear weapon. Nuclear, as George W. Bush used to say. Nuclear weapon. Uh, the U.S. Department of Energy has started making a new low-yield nuclear weapon designed to counter Russia. The National Nuclear Security Administration says production of the weapon, known as the W-762, has begun at its Pantex plant in the Texas Panhandle, that plant being in Amarillo. The fact that the weapon was under production was first shared in an email to the Exchange Monitor, an industry trade magazine and independently confirmed by NPR. Now, this is uh, 
a primary submarine launch weapon. Uh, the warhead is a strategic weapon, quote-unquote, meaning it makes a very big boom. And how big a boom, exactly? The Energy Department would not provide details about the W-76-2, but it's believed to have a yield of around 5 to 7 kilotons. That smaller yield is probably created by removing or disabling the secondary stage of the weapon. And for context, the weapon fired in Hiroshima... Hold on. The weapon fired in... The atomic bomb... I lost my place on my iPad. Excuse me. Um... Mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, it is. Oh, there it is. By contrast, the bomb dropped on Hiroshima had 15 kilotons, so about half as strong as the worst atomic attack in the history of the world, being produced right outside, right in, outside Amarillo. Just when you didn't think Amarillo could get any cooler, here they are building a new nuclear mini Hiroshima bomb. Hey, we're going to get uh, Poncho Navarez on in this big show. Stick right with us here on the other side. We'll get the representative on and roll along with you here on the other side. It's loud enough you gotta yell now The whole thing hits me like a song on the phone with us he is state representative out of house district 74 here in texas down in eagle pass he is poncho navarez glad that poncho navarez could take some time with us this afternoon to get in with other side of texas issues how are you doing i should call you chairman now chairman i'm great i'm great i uh i appreciate that i uh i'm just kind of putting myself together in terms of the committee and getting ready to do, you know, figuring out what kind of bills we're going to be hearing and what's going to get referred over and visiting with some of the new staff on that. And just kind of, it's a different, you know, I've been the vice chair the last two sessions, but it's a little different in the chairman's spot. And so there's a lot more angles to cover, but we're looking forward to it. We're up to the challenge and we're very, uh, we're grateful that the speaker's office and the speaker himself, uh, Speaker Dennis Bonin considered us and, and decided that, you know, we were up to it and, you know, we're, we're not going to disappoint him. Yeah. So uh, is Chairman new? Is it still sound new to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, you know, and again, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's humbling because I think we're the first chair to, ha- to sit on a sitting house committee in the history of Maverick County. So I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, right. you know, and the other and the other side of it is, like I said, I've been on the committee two sessions. This will be the third, and so I've, I think that you know, just kind of the experiences we've had, and then not being in this position, it, it prepares us for one, and then the other is just uh, it feels new, which is good. Yeah. So let's talk about the aim and scope of homeland security and public safety. Well, I mean, as you're aware, uh, you know, generally we're in charge basically of uh, overseeing law enforcement, which, you know, starts with uh, t- uh, DPS and then, you know, the forensic labs and anything emanating out of uh, law enforcement. And then, of course, emergency management, um, 
and, and the issues surrounding that. That's just kind of generally our, our purview. And then, and you know, I think it stretches if you read the you know our charge. It stretches into the logistics or the infrastructure of what actually is security from you know Brownsville to Beaumont to El Paso to Amarillo. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So. The president making a push, President Donald Trump, we don't get into a lot of national stuff, but you got to contrast state with uh, federal sure. every once in a while. The president is preparing what it sounds like to uh, proclaim a national emergency due in a, an executive order about the border. He says that it's a crisis. Uh, in your purview, and I said earlier, I think that your backyard sits some 30 feet off the Rio Grande, right? Yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll set my, you know, my chairman hat aside for a minute and just address it as a landowner and, you know, someone that's been around the issue, not just, you know, from my proximity, but just kind of watching and being involved in it. I mean, there's no crisis. I mean, there's not. It's ridiculous. There's no crisis. No. I mean, you want to talk about a crisis. There's a crisis in terms of the psychosis that people feel because of, the misrepresentations from the administration that begin to emanate out from other voices too, because they kind of pick up the, the chant. But there's not, and, and there's a crisis in terms of the people that are coming, and uh, you know, it's a regular flow of people that are coming and asking for asylum. See you over there, Bill. I'll do that. Would yeah. you Would you agree, Chairman, that there's a crisis south of the border? I think the yes, there is a crisis, and it just depends on how far how far south you want to go. I think there's a crisis in terms of how law enforcement on that side handles those issues. I think there's a crisis of corruption at some of the highest levels. I think there's a crisis that it's economic that you know stretches further south than Mexico that causes a lot of this push that we're looking at. And, you know, it, you know, it caused directly the you know the, the caravan of people that were coming. I guess it was before Christmas that. We're supposed to come over and slit our throats. I think we're okay uh, so far. So, but no, I, w- I would not disagree with that. I think that those those issues are tied with a lot of geopolitical things that involve economics, that involve opportunities. That you know, that I don't even think our administration, this administration, is is addressing at all. Is it just economic crisis? No, I mean, but it starts there. But then it also, you know, those things kind of evolve or spin off into you know they become you know political and then of course criminal in, in a lot of uh, situations and so you have a lot of people that are coming that, that have become prey to predators and you know that's that's just a fact you know people coming for an opportunity and you know that's what you see at the ports in terms of asylum seekers and, and uh you know and, and in between the ports too as well it's not you know, exclusive to the port. Where the where's the main problem in your view? I mean, now you're the chairman uh, of Homeland Security and Public Safety in the House. Is the primary problem in the arteries of the main port's entry, or are they outside the arteries? Well, when you talk about problems, I mean, I don't see a problem in terms of the traffic. It's not any more or any less than it's been, you know, let's say in the last 20 years. So I, I think we have to start there. It's, what kind of traffic? Uh, well, I'm just talking about all kinds of traffic. You know, okay. I think the traffic that we've seen, because, it, you know, everybody seems to think, and again, this is a, an idea that's being spun, that somehow the ports of entry are just designed to uh, to regulate some flow of undesirable or illegal or 
unwanted traffic, and it's not like that. I mean, it's that's a small amount of traffic that comes through. The majority is people that are coming back and forth to go to work legally, people that are coming back and forth legally to shop, uh, people that are asking for asylum, which is legal, uh, and, and basically the communities on the border doing what they've done for you know over a hundred years, which is you know living working and enhancing each other you know on both sides and that's irrespective of you know the crises that were or the crises that we were talking about before regarding you know violence and things like that because commerce your life your family all that stuff has to go on regardless of what side of that river you live on poncho navarez with us here chairman of homeland security and public safety in the house uh i'm bringing him in to run against counter narrative uh not in any way, I can't make Poncho Navarro do anything, but providing him the opportunity to speak um, from his place on uh, what some of these issues are made out to be. Chairman Navarro, should there be a wall? No, I mean, we've got some fencing, and I mean, I don't, I can't speak to places in Arizona or New Mexico. I, I know what I know in terms of what's already there, and the truth mm-hmm. is, they're not they're not very good in the places that they're there. The, you know, the Border, Contro- the Border Patrol can tell you specifically that in certain places, barriers allow for choke points, which helps them, but it allows for traffic to be driven through some of the most desolate areas, which makes it even more difficult for people to actually come through. But, you know, again, it's it's uh, these are rifle shot arguments and that right now they're being made by the administration, you know, scattershot, shotgun, and just, I mean, nonsensical in some cases. I mean, I heard the president say last week about trucks being driven through the desert, and that's just not, it doesn't happen. I mean, that's some of the roughest terrain in the world. It just, they, you don't have 18 wheelers like, driving through the desert. Through the desert. desert without roads? No. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, uh, are there instances where you would support a structure? Uh, we're uh, we're past wall at this point. Now it's Now it's like still frame structure, you know, cross-angled I, bars, I, this sort of stuff. You know, let me tell you, this is what I think about this is, had we begun the narrative with some semblance of reality and truth and based on some sort of fact, then you can entertain it. But when it starts being spun, and I'm not just talking about the president, I'm talking about before, when it starts being spun, uh, you know, and the basis isn't very clear in terms of what the mission is and why, then you have to question and say, well, I can't get behind any of this because the genesis of it is it's not honest. And, you know, we, 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 when was it, six years ago, I think we had an honest conversation about a lot of that. And I didn't agree with all of it, but I didn't disagree with it. But it started in a more honest place. And I think it, that's an easier who, thing who to contemplate. Who started that conversation? Well, I mean, I'm just saying in, in you know, in the House generally. Okay, and, uh, when your first year, so, 2013. Yeah, and I mean, and I can tell you specifically is, you know, the Speaker Bonham carried a bill that, and, you know, he was good enough at the time to bring a group of us that, uh, you know, live on the border, border legislators, to kind of put our hand in and, and opine over certain things, and he was amenable to making some of those changes. And, again, I didn't agree with all of it, but at least I knew the place that it was coming from. And it certainly didn't include some sort of, uh, you know, dishonest cry about uh, what was happening and, you know, what was coming in the future. You know, now we see that, but that didn't come from that bill, uh, you know, and or from, you know, Speaker Bonham, but that's what we're living now. And so you have to ask yourself, how in the world can you even get behind something like that when it's not 
coming from a place of sincerity or honesty? And the answer is, you can't. You shouldn't. Who on the state level is pushing? Because, look, I'll give you my take. The House is always balked, eventually gone with the Senate on border funding. Um, and I'm what, what normally we're putting up $800 million. Uh, who is spending in your, to listen from your point of view, who is spending on the state level this narrative about the border? Well, I mean, I, I you know, specifically, I, I think I heard, the only one that I really heard was the lieutenant governor that, you know, offered Texas to put up money to build this thing, which, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to quibble with the offer. I'm going to quibble with the ludicrousness of actually making it. I mean, you know, what it, it is what it is. I mean, Wait, why I, wouldn't I you quibble with the – I mean, effectively, I, the well, lieutenant governor has – and I've listened to the comments that you're referring to. The lieutenant governor said essentially, hey, we'll go ahead and pay for it and give you an IOU. And that's a lot of the incongruity, by the way, Chairman. A lot of I people, a lot of people agree. like myself are confused that – you know, we have, over the last two legislative sessions, put in $800 million per to secure the border, but now we hear that, you know, that was, that was just a drop in the bucket. Uh, you know, that wasn't nearly enough, when at the time it was an extraordinary amount of money. Um, and now we're going to do it again, and then Washington hadn't... We've, we've tried to put up IOUs, and Washington's not uh, returned the favor. I mean, it seems, and again, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, it's incongruent, and that's a nice way to put it, but, I mean, think about where we were, you know, six years ago, where we were bad, I say we, the general, we, we or the royal, we, we were battling the federal government to reimburse us for monies that we were spending, and in my opinion, we, didn't, we, did, we did not need to spend at that level. And then now, we're willing to put up more money when we have not been reimbursed for what we had before to secure a border that was relatively secure because the Border Patrol and Homeland Security at the federal level were, do, were doing their job. And now you want to put up money for a wall where, you know, somebody held basically the whole country hostage on an idea that was spurless at best. And then, you know, at, at the beginning, if you remember, it started with Mexico's going to pay for it. Well, no, I mean, we, it's, we're, we're, I mean, we just paid 11 billion bucks, 3 billion that we'll never get back in the shutdown for a wall that, in my opinion, is not going to get built uh, anywhere near or, or how this, this president imagines it could. And again, I think it's just his his fantastical idea of some monument to himself, but he wants to do it on our backs. A monument to himself. Yes. Poncho Navarez. I, I, I told you he's going to be candid, folks. I told you. Uh, I cut you off. What were you about to say? Well, what I was going to say is, I mean, I use the word monument. Monument applies to something great. I mean, that's, it's a boondoggle. That's what that is. Uh, has anybody approached you as chairman of Homeland Security and Public Safety for a spending initiative on the border in this session? No. And how will you, if that conversation is brought to you, how will you respond to that proposal? Well, I mean, one is I say go see the appropriators because that's where that stuff generates. But the other, I'd say no. I'm not interested in that. I don't. I don't. I don't believe I've seen any indication other than that comment made by the lieutenant governor from any other member, and certainly not from the leadership in the house you know, that that's something that's palatable or on the table. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's a no. Uh, Poncho Navarez, if your house, I just mentioned thirty. 
30 feet off your backyard is the real grand. Um, would your house be behind a wall? I would imagine so. I mean, I, you the know, for, for context, let me set it up. I got to set this up because it's fascinating. Sure. Uh, first of all, you're a Democrat who's heading up Homeland Security and Public Safety out of the House. That's a nuance. And secondly, you're a chairman in the Texas House of Representatives, and your house could be on the southern side of a wall slash structure in these United States of America. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing to think that that's a discussion that's and again it's a discussion that's had you know you can laugh about it around the water cooler but i mean there's people in washington that sit down and seriously talk about these things because they believe they can get them done and you know my answer to that is you know pack a lunch it's going to be tough pack a lunch um poncho navarez ongoing conversation i hope that we have with you yes i mean i think there's going to be more you know we're I think we're saved for what 15 days for uh, you know from some more uh, you know who knows what's coming when the spending bill or the extension goes out but I mean I'm sure there's going to be more discussion about that and some other things regarding you know what Homeland Security could devolve to if you know you have a whole sector that holds up you know the border meaning CBP and uh the ports and whatnot and, and the border patrol and ice and the dea and all these things are they, they may start collapsing under the you know the weight of not being able to carry economically the mission and you know it's it's frightening that's frightening hmm. well my ongoing conversation i hope you'll check back in in the next month or so and we give will. us your perspective on i mean we hear from both sides on this thing it's fascinating to hear from your standpoint is you can look out at the Rio Grande from your backyard. He is chairman of Homeland Security and the Texas and Public Safety, I should say, in the house. Poncho Navarez out of Eagle Pass. Always candid, always good to visit with you. Thank you, Poncho. Jay, I appreciate it. And, uh, hello, love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and all those podcast listeners across the state. This will be a, a great conversation for them. Thank you, Poncho. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. Bye. I can't help but call him Poncho. Um, golly. I, I I don't mean that disrespectfully. He's just such an amicable guy. Uh, really good to talk with him. Uh, Going to get off, get into a break, get our friend Wes Rappaport reports here on the other side of the other side. Don't turn it off. Don't turn the dial. Be right back here on the other side of Texas. Take a seat, knock that chill off your bones. Got food on the fire, can I get you something to eat? Make yourself at home, yeah, I'm on the run. I'm looking out, searching for something that I still care about. I'm looking up to the sky. Com, that is 806-744-7666. Thank you, Lubbock File Room, being sponsors on the program. Go out to the phone line, switch things up a little bit, get our friend Wes Rappaport reports. This is my call, Wes Rappaport. You're the up-and-coming Texas journalist. Hey, well, I appreciate it. Will you take that? that? Somebody other, I'll take it from 
somebody other than my mother has finally said something like this. Well, I think that it's it's pretty clear to me that's where Wes Rappaport <laughs> is right now because I read all this stuff and I watch what people are doing and you're doing it about as well as anybody, Wes Rappaport. And, you know, it won't be long. I mean, you give this another five years and people are going to be like, oh, what's Wes Rappaport saying? What, and if they aren't already. And um, it's going to be awesome. Way to go, dude. Appreciate you. Thank yeah. you. The little engine that could. From one little engine that could to another. <laughs> I hear you. How's life? Yeah, I, it's good. Um, it's just venturing out, doing some new things, and um, uh, I can't complain. Good guests on the program, good uh, listeners, and uh, smart listeners. Appreciate it. And appreciate you making time. What have you been working on today? Uh, today we uh, were in the uh, Texas Senate chamber earlier this morning when uh, the uh, the upper chamber honored Stephen Williford, and that name may ring a bell to you as the uh, one of the men who is credited with chasing the gunman uh, out of the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs after he uh, after the gunman opened fire, killing 26, hurting 20 others. Uh, Williford was was uh, is, is sort of quoted as the good guy with the gun, uh, right? And and uh, ch- helped chase down the suspect, um, and uh, and and kind of carried out that pursuit with with uh, another guy who happened to be driving by. So uh, the, he he has been involved now, sort of this unwanted hero, I guess you could call him, and I, that's sort of what he describes himself as. Hmm. Um, it, you know, he, he really doesn't like the limelight. He really doesn't like the spotlight. He really doesn't um, like the attention. But in in some ways, he's using that attention to try and uh, make some make some some change, make some create some awareness. Um, and so he's been uh, appointed to uh, a, a, a like a panel, a, a committee by the governor to be involved in in public safety discussions. Um, he was involved in the governor's roundtable discussions on public safety uh, last year, uh, last May. So he he has now kind of taken on this this uh, ex- these extra roles, and um, the Texas Senate honored him today. So we had a little chat earlier today, you know, just talking about um, what what how the community is doing, and and you know, so much of of what we do, Jay, is is invade people's territory and when when something like this happens and i know you know there's all these conversations about the media circus right when something happens and and um it's it's really important to me to follow up with people and to check in on people and to whether i've got a tv camera in my hand or not you know just asking people how they're doing and that was I think part of why we were covering this today is also because, you know, I just wanted to ask the guy, how's the, you know, how is the Sutherland Springs community doing? You know, well, now that this you know, media circus, if you'd like to call it, is is gone a year and a half, I guess to a, a year plus mm-hmm. later, how's everybody doing? And so um, it was it was a good, uh, it was a good chat. Yeah. And so did he refer to himself as an unwanted hero? Or are you no, just paraphrasing? I, you know, he, 
Yeah, I'm just sort of paraphrasing there. You know, he, does he get he upset, says, Wes? Is he upset about what happened, or is he? You know, I. That's a good question. And, and I don't and ask: he, Is he upset he killed the guy? Is he no, upset I, that he was put in a position where demented guy did one of the worst things imaginable, and then he had to deal with the demented guy? You know, I I. I don't want to speak for him, but I, but I think it is one of those things where he, where he well what he said to us today was look you got to always be ready you got to train you got to be ready and, and he was uh, you know sort of using this example of a fire extinguisher and saying you know you gotta you gotta be that fire extinguisher you gotta be sitting there you might never need to be used you might just sit there on the in the floor in the corner on the wall whatever mm-hmm. and and you might never. Um, fulfill your purpose in that way but your purpose is being fulfilled by just being present you know where you are when when, you know when you're engaging in your community um and and so i think you know no he does not call himself a hero Uh, lieutenant governor said um called him a hero and and um and he uh and lieutenant governor was was sharing a conversation that he had with Stephen, and he was saying, you know, he said very clearly to me, I am not a hero, I'm a victim. So he, um, you know, doesn't, he really doesn't like all the attention, but I think what he's trying to do with this attention is turn it into something productive, uh, not just for his community, but for other communities. Um, hmm. Senator Larry Taylor was saying that, uh, that after the Santa Fe shooting, which happened, um, I guess, then a few months later, right, he, uh, Williford and other members of the Sutherland Springs community went to Santa Fe to uh, spend time with members of the Santa Fe community, and and they can relate in in you know one very specific awful way, right? And and so that it, it's things like that 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 um, that the lawmakers obviously wanted to highlight, and and that we were uh, touching on today as well. Yeah, Wes Rappaport, the next star with us here. Uh, folks locally in Lubbock, I assume, will see your report on this. Uh, yeah, it, it airs, uh, let's see, in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes on uh, KMAC and KLBK in the Lubbock area. Uh, Amarillo, KAMR, Local 4, Fox 14. We got about a dozen stations in Texas. So we got yeah. we got Amarillo, we got Lubbock, we got Big Country, we got Permian Basin, we got El Paso, yeah, El Tyler. We're all over. So yeah. we. Uh, we, we got some good reach, and we hope that uh, uh, that we're able to make an impact yeah. somewhere. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, those are uh, some of our major reaches on the podcast. So if you miss the newscast, you've got Wes Rappaport reports here with us. Wes, you know, something that uh, I want to get in with you just to get your thoughts on, because you're there on the ground, and this is a curveball I'm going to throw at you. You ready? Uh, All right. You talk about the media circus down there. A lot's been made of Empower Texans is a pack, and that a pack has two media credentials on the Senate floor. Wes is a straight news guy, like you are. You don't come on here and, you know, we have people from time to time who come on the program and they're journalists, but um, you, you're kind of in that Ross Ramsey vein where you aren't going to play your political hand. You're just going to talk about what's going on. Um, but there are two members of a pack, uh, two media members that are part of a pack that are on the Senate floor. Well, how do you feel about that? And what kind of 
does that have foreshadowing? I mean, is what now next Texas for lawsuit reform we're going to have media members on the Senate floor? How does that work, and how do you feel about it? Uh, well, look, was it a savvy move to apply for the media credentials? Absolutely. Um, that being said, does it affect my ability to do my job for my media outlet? No. Um, in the sense of I can, you know, I still do what I'm doing independent of whatever they're working on. So, okay. um, you know, there, I know I can, I, there are a lot of people who are saying they're not a media outlet. They shouldn't have media credentials. That being said, there are a lot of people who are saying they're members of the public. They, they applied, they got approved, power to them. Um, so, you know, I, but at the end of the day, it, it's not, um, but do you feel like it diminishes your role as a journalist that, you know, for lack of saying, better like, words, if, if anybody, any, anybody can do it. Yeah, anybody can do it. You know, I think at the end of the day, the proof is in the work that we put out every day. And, you know, if all I can do is work hard to, to provide content for 12 Texas markets worth of, of communities and, and work hard to make sure that every viewer that watches our content uh, learns something and uh, and feels like they understand better the issue when than when they started watching um, and if, if I, my hope is that everyone with a Senate media credential has that same goal to cover the Senate uh, for a news outlet and to abide by the rules and regulations and all that jazz to uh, you know make their audiences, uh, understand the issues better and and really i mean what what we're doing is boils down to like you know what's the role of a journalist and is where we represent the people to our lawmakers and and then we you know ask them those tough questions and then pass along their points of views and their information to their constituents so yeah. um I, I i really try and focus on that work and i have plenty of that to focus on so <laughs> as as sent out as a you know i'm a one-man band operation essentially so i write shoot edit report you know there's a, a team of a few of us who kind of work together on that but it's it's no. i got enough work just making sure that i'm getting the information right and following along and making sure that i'm doing my job yeah. to be you know kind of i try not to to worry about and that's your other people are that's doing. your bet over time is that word of mouth uh here's a guy west rapaport we can trust and uh, those other guys will go away and you'll still be around that's what i hear you saying without you saying it I'm, i mean there will always be somebody who wants a, a certain kind of uh influence and and if they're if this is a way to do it then then they're doing it their way you know and and i can't control how the process works all i can do is report on the information and uh and go from there well you're kinder than i am because i'm applying with the house i'm not even gonna mess with the senate if if that's going to be the deal i'm I'm not gonna mess with the senate Uh, wes rapaport next star with us here uh wes i also wanted to get in with you you did a local story in Lubbock, and it was about ATMs and some banks and a big scam. And give listeners an idea of what's going on, and uh, we'll get into what they should do if they feel like they've been affected. Yeah, we um, 
saw a press release come out from Lubbock Police saying, hey, we need you to, to look into this. And, and um, uh, it basically in, involved uh, detectives saying that there are hundreds of stolen credit and debit card numbers across the state. And, you know, this was a lot of what I do is, is kind of statewide news, but this was obviously based in Lubbock, but it does have that, that statewide um, impact because uh, the LPD says uh, $62,000 was taken from Lubbock ATMs, um, Lubbock area ATMs, but that uh, suspect or suspects uh, used uh, stolen card information, debit cards, credit cards, to withdraw money from two different uh, uh, ATMs belonging to two different banks in the area. So how did they um, do it? What two banks were they, and how did they do it? So it's Vista Bank and First Capital Bank. Um, and uh, the information uh, police are saying is they believe that the, the card information was stolen through those card skimmers that um, you know we talk about all the time on, on mm-hmm. the, some, you'll sometimes see on a, on gas pumps um, or uh, you know in other any place where you're swiping your card um, you're putting your card it's, it's kind of funny how that works any place you swipe the card you're putting the card information at risk but in order to use the card you need to swipe it right so anyway that that's another conversation for another day i suppose but you know that they're they were basically taking that card information that you swipe and and creating clone cards mm. and then using the you've then got a, a duplicate card that's got somebody's personal information on it and uh and you go from there and and it's People are are uh, were, were apparently um, stealing money from from ATMs. Now the the reason why this is was sort of on my radar was uh, as a statewide issue is that police were saying that there was uh, they believed that some of the um, victims were in other Texas cities. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that it's like police said it's likely the majority of victims live in other parts of Texas. Uh, and, and the victims may bank at other businesses aside from just the Vista and the Capital Bank uh, ATM. So mm-hmm. uh, basically police are just asking folks to, to take a second, review your bank account. If you didn't uh, go to the ATM and you see a, a deposit or a withdrawal, uh, more importantly a withdrawal, then you need to uh, call your bank and, and, uh, and call police. Um, and I'll I'll plug the number here because we're because we're here eight zero six seven seven five twenty eight fourteen. That's the Lubbock Police uh, investigation. Give it to us one more time. Eight zero six seven seven five two eight one four. Believe that gets a hold of the forgery squad. This is a federal case as well. The federal uh, there's federal investigators in on this. Both banks putting out statements saying you know we. We know this is going on. We're uh, glad that no uh, customers from our bank are affected, they say. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the reminder, again, is to double-check your, your bank statements. Um, we all need to be a little better about doing that, don't we, Jay? You know, Johnny has the text of the day. There have been some text in, and we've been having a fast-moving conversation Poncho Navarez and now Wes Rappaport, but Johnny texting in and saying, weren't First Capital and Vista Bank uh, the two banks that were primarily involved in Rager Dykes? I think separate 
situations, but still another PR hit, right? Yeah. Or could it have happened anywhere? Could it have happened anywhere? Well, in theory, it could have happened anywhere. I mean, these were the, I guess, the banks that police were sharing about were these two banks. Uh, We don't know uh, necessarily the scope of this, um, and and that's one unfortunate coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. One unfortunate coincidence. I love the way you put it, Wes. All right. (laughs) So, uh, hey, we're still looking for you to uh, figure out how you're going to be the one band the one man band and uh do all the writing shooting reporting and then check in with the program keep me updated with that we'll do i hear your phone buzzing in the background you got things to do west rapaport uh follow him at what is it at west is it is on twitter on twitter it's at west rap on instagram it's rapaport report yes and on facebook it's west rapaport tv at Wes Rap, there on Twitter. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Jack. Get off with Wes and get in with some final thoughts. I've got some. I've got a uh, real. <clears throat> I got to grind a little bit on listener emails and uh, how best to get hold of me. If you're going to email me ten times, stick right with us as we close out the program. Hey, so I've told you guys about uh, my email. I get lots of emails about the program. You know, could you look at this story? Could you look at it? And we followed up on a couple of those this week, and we appreciate all those contributions there. Again, anytime, jay at othersideoftexas.com. If you're going to email me about something, I'm going to put the line at two times. If you're going to put the line at two times and I give you the opportunity to call me and you don't call me and you continue to email me, I am not talking about your issue, okay? I mean, if you continue, I just looked up during the break, I got seven emails from the same listener. Incredible. I mean, it's just, if you don't want to sound like a weirdo, don't be a weirdo. That's the advice that I can give you. Here on the program, holy cow, holy smokes. Uh, Tomorrow on the program, we've got lined up for you, our friend, Ross Ramsey, Texas Tribune. I should say next episode, if you're listening on the podcast, and Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions. We're going to talk about uh, card skimming and talk about FaceTime getting hacked. People can watch you on your phone. That's the nightmare. That's why we all have post-it notes on our Macs at home and over our little uh, computer cameras. Uh, Coming up on Thursday, fingers crossed, Erica Greeter is supposed to get back with me. Charles Foster Johnson is going to be on the program with us. Good week ahead of us for State Representative Poncho Navarez. Wes Rappaport, got to get home. 
Gonna get home. Great family, above average dinner waiting for me. And then we've got Grace's first basketball practice of the year. Until next time, Ravon buddies. Ravon, we'll see you next time. So glad that you're with us here on the other side of Texas. Step over it.